Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm and available uh, via podcast as well, wherever you get your podcast. We're glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon, July the 3rd. So we are on the eve of the 4th of July celebration, Independence Day celebration in uh, our country. And it's usually a fun day that uh, almost everybody gets off. I guess if you are... Uh, a medical worker, or you have a job that requires no days off, then maybe you have to work on the holiday. But most people get the 4th of July off and get to do either the family thing or the friend thing or just the hangout and lay low thing. Hope your 4th of July plans are good ones. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. So they've kind, excuse me, kind of got it figured out. They uh, they know the ins and outs of financing, and they specialize in things that are sometimes a little atypical. Like if you're going to build a house in the country. And maybe that doesn't qualify for traditional financing. You can talk to the folks at Mississippi Land Bank. They understand what it takes to get those loans done, and they're fantastic people to deal with. MSLandBank.com. So we've talked a little bit throughout the week about 4th of July plans. Where does Independence Day, the 4th of July, rank for you on the holiday spectrum? Borky, start with you. What? Where is the 4th of July in terms of traditional American holidays. Where do you rank it? I think you have to take it after... I mean, Christmas and Thanksgiving are... Everybody's one and two, right? So moving those aside, it's my favorite. Okay. So number three on the list. You're not a Halloween guy. No, and and just because I don't have kids yet, even though I... Gosh, I'm going to have a kid by Halloween this year. (laughs) But... (laughs) So uh, I'm years removed from from caring about it in any capacity, uh, but I guess that'll start up here soon. So yeah, Fourth of July. I mean, the weather is usually the best. It's summer. You go to the lake. You watch fireworks. You eat and drink a lot. By far the best one, not Christmas or Thanksgiving. Hey, Dad. So like, if you work for a bank, you get seven thousand holidays a year, which is you know awesome for people that works at work at banks. And then if you work at a place that is extremely conservative with vacation days, it's Christmas, um, usually New Year's Day, the Fourth of July, and well, there's a, oh, and Thanksgiving. So those would be like the kind of the four days that everybody, almost everybody, gets off from work. And then you got other holidays like Memorial Day and Labor Day and Boxing Day and Halloween and all those things. Where where does the Fourth of July rank for you? It's behind Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Day for me. 
Oh, so you put New Year's Day in the mix. For one reason and one reason only. It's there a football, is football all day on New Year's Day. Okay. It's fair enough. There is no Rippy? football to be had tomorrow. Um, Probably third or fourth. Like, I like football being on New Year's Day. I also like that there's baseball on all day, 4th of July. I'll put it third. Third in front of New Year's Day? Yeah. How so? Because there's baseball on all day. The weather's better, usually on the water. Okay. Yeah, I think it's third for me, but it's not even it's not a distant third. I, I think Christmas has gotta be number one, and to Borky's point, because of kids, that just changes Christmas a little bit. It makes it even more fun. I'm a big Thanksgiving fan, although Thanksgiving has been a work day in recent years because of the egg bowl. And then you've also got uh the Labor Day or Memorial Day, even they even make a blip on the radar. Those are also both work days for us. Yeah, I haven't celebrated one of those in five years. So, <laughs> yeah, I love Fourth of July, and to me, Fourth of July is more of a local holiday. Does that make sense at all? Local in what way? Yeah, I'm about saying what way. Okay, so Christmas or Thanksgiving, it's like that's a kind of a travel holiday. A lot of people will go to oh, grandparents' houses or they'll hit the road. Most people, and I'm not, I know like if you're talking big city, some people will go to, um, they'll go to Boston for the big Boston 4th of July celebration or they'll go to Washington, D.C. Some people like to go to the beach for the fireworks at the beach, but a lot of people just choose to stay kind of close to home for the 4th of July. And so you get, I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday or earlier in the week or not, like Oxford has a 4th of July parade, which is like one of the more local things that happens in, in Oxford. It's mostly people that live here or who have lived here and are coming back home to see their parents or something like that. So it's like everybody gets their own little slice of Americana without really leaving home for the 4th of July. And I like fireworks, too. For whatever that's worth. Yeah. Plus you cook. Have, have you settled on a menu for tomorrow? Eh. Anyone? Okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vocal medium. Well, well mine is today. Um, and, and yeah, just doing the standard. Nothing crazy. Sausages, burgers, and, and wings. Which, by the way, um, grilled wings are better than deep fried wings. I mean, that's non-negotiable. But don't do wings on the grill either. I'm not. I'm probably not telling you guys something you don't already know. But if you're going to do wings and do them the right way, cook a bunch of bacon in a cast iron skillet. Get you a good thick layer of bacon grease. Cook a bunch of bacon, and then cook your wings in that. Does not get better than that. So forget the grill. Forget the deep fryer. Cook your wings in a, about I would say like an eighth of an inch of bacon grease. That's how you make the best buffalo wings right there. That sounds healthy. It's not, but it's so much better. <laughs> hey, Dad, what's the menu tomorrow? Surely you've decided on it for sure by now. I don't know if we're going to cook out now because it's just me and the kids and the wife, and that's a lot of work to get the grill. I have a charcoal grill. I don't have a gas grill. So, I mean, just to do a couple steaks or a couple burgers, I don't know. We, I, what I, do you I don't mean know it's a lot of work? That's, that's, a, that's a lot to do to cook for, you know, what, 20 minutes? How long does it take to cook a steak and you know, two steaks and two burgers? How long does it take to get a charcoal grill ready? I don't know, 30. 
Wait, so you're saying if it was a people other than your family, you'd do it, but your family <laughs> yeah, by itself does not make the cut? If we were going to have some, exactly. If we were going to have some friends over and I could, I could actually make it worth my while. It, it takes more time to prep the grill than it does to cook the food. That's not, that's, that's not really worth it. So, we may saying. not cook out. Uh, I'm, I, I mean, that, so basically you're just saying you just want to be lazy. You, like, you don't want to do I anything. I don't mind being lazy. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fair enough. I have a uh, a good friend of mine, uh, actually uh, my banker. Then uh, he he says the vacation day comment for a banker was uh, was uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it was inaccurate though, did he? No. Well, I did say seven thousand. No, I'm not saying. I mean, there's an argument to be made that anybody who chooses a profession other than banking is making a bad career decision if you're basing your career decision based on when you're going to get days off. Like every federal holiday, most bankers and most educators get off. It's kind of a good way to go. I mean, if you think about it, so if you go to if you work for a place where you get like the four major holidays off, then you got your vacation days on top of that. But if you do good planning and you got like good vacation time on top of all the federal holidays, you can paint yourself into a bunch of three or four or five day weekends without burning up a bunch of vacation days. I'm not like trying to give career advice here because clearly I'm not in the banking industry. It just seems like it would make some sense. He he did follow up with but your point is reasonable because I'm headed to the lake. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We are glad to have you along on this Wednesday. Not a day off. There's actually a good bit that's uh, still going on. Um, we're going to talk some college football, Ole Miss, Mississippi State style. And I'm curious as to who you think is the most likely candidate from Ole Miss and from Mississippi State when the season is over to be named an All-American. Me thinking on that a little bit. Current makeup of the roster. And I guess we could we could actually break that into two categories. Most likely to be named freshman all American. So that's taking a look at the uh the folks that are kind of either redshirted a year ago or are coming in as true freshmen that could have an immediate impact. So most likely candidate to be a freshman all American, and then most likely candidate on the teams, returning guys to be named All-American at the end of the year. There was a 30-for-30 that debuted on ESPN last night about uh, Major League eating, specifically about Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut. I didn't watch it in its entirety. I couldn't make myself watch the entire thing. But I did watch bits and pieces and some fascinating stuff, as it turns out, to look at the training regiment for Joey Chestnut who is currently the undisputed eating king on the uh, the planet. We're going to talk with Anthony Dixon, a little Booby Dixon talk this afternoon. We'll talk about the best running backs in Mississippi history, his career, and more. All of that and a whole lot more coming up this afternoon with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Two sad notes to uh, pass along and talk a little bit about. Um, n- neither of these pertain specifically to the state of Mississippi, 
or to Mississippi State or Southern Miss or Ole Miss or any of the other schools, but certainly two names that are extremely recognizable in the world of sports and in this part of the country. Um, earlier today, it was announced that uh, Tony Robichaux, the head baseball coach at the University of Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, if you prefer, the Raging Cajuns, passed away. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he had a heart attack, was immediately taken to the hospital there in Lafayette, uh, was transported to uh, Ochsner's in New Orleans, underwent major surgery, um, had to have a second surgery, and passed away, I guess it was either late last night or, or early this morning, uh, due to complications, and I think I think I read it was other major organs that shut down as a part of that. Um, Tony Robichaux, wildly successful head coach. He was the all-time wins leader from a coaching standpoint at, uh, at ULL and also at McNeese State. He played at uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, was a good player there. Uh, the field, uh, new stadium, was recently named for him. Uh, I guess a couple of years ago after they finished the expansion, his name was, was on the field and was really thought highly of, not just as a baseball coach, but as a person. Uh, very active in the Lafayette community, and for the people that I've talked to that are in that area, just loved in, in that community. And I know we've seen Mississippi State, Southern Miss, Ole Miss all play games against Louisiana Lafayette. You can't help but think about the, uh, the 2014 uh, super re- well, regional and super regional. Uh, Mississippi State in 2014 goes and plays in the regional in uh, in Lafayette. Uh, that was that team that just swung it so well, just hit like crazy. They reached number one in the country at one point that season. Uh, Mississippi State ended lo- ended up losing. I-, I guess Haydad Lafayette had to beat them twice to come back out of the losers bracket after losing their opening round game against Jackson State, and they won that regional. And then you fast forward a week later. And you had Ole Miss go there as a super regional opponent, lost game one, and then came back and won games two and games three and game three to advance to uh, the College World Series uh, in 2014. Just a really good program and a guy who was considered to be the ultimate baseball guy. Yeah, coached an exciting brand of baseball. His teams were always fun to watch. Uh, very passionate fan base down there, obviously, and and you know, was beloved. You know, all, and if you if you follow any baseball coaches on Twitter today, you know, I see all Coach uh, Bianco from Ole Miss has already said something. Mississippi State and John Cohen have issued statements. So obviously, a well respected guy by his peers. Um, Mike Bianco's youngest son, Sam, uh, is committed to play baseball at uh, at UL. And, and, you know, if that says anything to you, kind of about what Mike Bianco thought of him beyond you know, just being a good baseball coach, that that's a place where he would be open to his son playing or you know, one of his sons playing college baseball. Um, just a really sad story out of uh, that part and certainly um, our thoughts and our prayers go to the family. He's the all-time winningest coach at both McNeese State and UL. 1177 victories for the uh, Raging Cajuns been the head coach there since 1995. He was at uh, McNeese State from 87 to uh, to 94. Uh, led 
Louisiana Lafayette to the College World Series in 2000 to a number one ranking in that year, 12 NCAA regionals, 18 winning seasons, and four super regionals. I think Southern Miss played in Lafayette this past season. I don't remember if they played in Lafayette or if they hosted UL in Hattiesburg, but that was uh, obviously a regular opponent for uh, Southern Miss as, uh, as well. So you've got that with uh, Tony Robichaux passing away, and then also saw the announcement just a few minutes ago that Jared Lorenzen, you remember him as the uh, former quarterback at Kentucky who was drafted by the New York Giants, was Eli Manning's backup on the 2007 Super Bowl winning team. That was the year that uh, the Giants uh, knocked off the New England Patriots, the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. He was the uh, the backup quarterback on that team. And, you know, I mean, you don't have to talk around the issue. Obviously, weight was a concern, not just a concern, but it was a problem for uh, for Jared Lorenzen. A couple of years ago, he kind of reemerged what is a, like a semi-pro quarterback on a team that was based in Kentucky, and he was a huge guy. But the people that spent time around him talked about him being a great guy. He was a dad, uh, obviously a son. Um, the guys at Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, Matt Jones and uh, and those crew, uh, that crew there, um, just talked about what a fantastic guy he was. The uh, the statement from the family of Jared Lorenzen, it's with heavy hearts uh, that uh, Lorenzen's family would like to extend our sincere thanks and appreciation for all of your support and prayers over the last six days. Deeply saddened to announce the passing of Jared today. We appreciate all the warm wishes and prayers. We request privacy and respect. Arrangement information will be coming. You guys remember watching him play at Kentucky, right? I do, and it's he played in 2001 and 02, and that's when I was eight, nine, and ten years old. And so, right as I started really understanding football, you know, you watch it as a kid, but you don't really understand what you're watching and remember what you're watching and get it until you're about that age. So, my first like football watching memories were in the SEC, but specifically him. And unfortunately for Kentucky fans, I remember vividly the uh, Bluegrass Miracle, the game that they lost to LSU on that ridiculous Hail Mary at the end where he was the quarterback in that game. That's about the earliest college football memories I have is when he was you know, at the top of his game playing for Kentucky. They were winning a bunch of games back then. And, and the hefty lefty, the Pillsbury throw boy, all those nicknames, and you just gravitated towards him because he was bigger than his offensive line he was a pretty dynamic quarterback, too. And surprisingly athletic, given his size. Um, yeah. He could move hey, a Dan, He bit. could make all the throws, and he could yeah. move around. He, he had he – had, surprising is, is definitely the right word. Jared Lorenzen, to me, is one of the reasons I love college football. Because a guy like that, and you saw it in the NFL, was never able to be a star. But he was a star at the college level, not just because of his size, but because he was a really good quarterback for some pretty good Kentucky teams. And uh, got to see him play a couple of times. And, and you're right, man, he had a huge arm, and he could make the throws. And, and those teams were fun to watch. So, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a sad day. College football has lost one of its uh, greatest characters. The uh, the last time that Jared Lorenzen played professionally, 2013, as part of the Continental Indoor Football League, he uh, broke his tibia, and that basically ended his pro playing career. Um, 
2017, July 28th, 2017, Jared Lorenzen launched what was called the Jared Lorenzen Project, where he was set to chronicle online his attempts at battling his obesity. At one point, he reached over 500 pounds. By April of 2018, he had lost over 100 pounds. story was documented by ESPN uh, a summer ago. So uh, this time a year ago, they were documenting this story. You look at Jared Lorenzen's numbers. Four years, played in 43 games at Kentucky, made 41 starts. Started all, uh, I guess it was all 11 games as a freshman in 2000. He started six games, played in eight games in 2001. 2002, 2003, started all 12 games in each of those seasons. Jared Lorenzen threw for 10,354 yards at Kentucky and 78 touchdowns and actually had 283 career rushing yards and 12 touchdowns on the ground. Which kind of goes to the point we were making earlier. I mean, he he was not a runner, but he was able to move around a little bit and could kind of elude people. And uh, I agree with you, Haydad. One of the the great characters in in college football in the last couple of decades. And uh, a sad story to see it end. You're talking about a guy that was 38 years old. Guys, as a big man who's trying to lose weight, if you are big like that, you've got to do something. It's not going to end good. Get out there, get on, get on, exercise, do whatever you got to do, but get yourself healthy. You got to do it, guys. So we've talked with you, hey dad, and and we've laughed about it, and we've encouraged you some along the way. But what was what was it that caused you to go? Okay, no more. It's time. Uh, just in thirty seconds. It was hurting. You want to hold on to that thought? I mean, we can if you want. We got. We got. know we got to talk to Booby Dixon in the next segment. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'll be happy to come back to it. Yeah, let's do that a little bit later this afternoon. We'll, we'll come back to that because it could be that uh, you sharing that story helps somebody else. And uh, as good a day as any to do just that. When we come back on the Farm Bureau phone line, we'll be joined by Booby Dixon, former Mississippi State running back and a uh, guy that spent some time in the NFL as well as we continue to, to discuss running backs in the state of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon, July 3rd. Glad to have you along. And glad to welcome Anthony Booby Dixon on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. As a senior at Terry High School in 2005, Booby Dixon ran for 2,683 yards and 31 touchdowns, leading Terry to an 11-2 and mark. He played all 12 games as a freshman at Mississippi State, went on to rush for almost 4,000 yards, and then six seasons in the NFL as well with the San Francisco 49ers and the Buffalo Bills. Anthony, what's up, my man? How are you today? What's up? How y'all doing? I'm good, We're, man. I'm good. D- does anybody actually call you Anthony, or is it all booby all the time? Well, yeah, you got um, you got some people that call me Anthony. You got some people call me booby. Some people call me booby D. You know, they all tags apply, so it's all good. All right, I want to rewind a little bit um, and go back to when you were growing up, kind of there in the Jackson Metro area at Terry High School. I know you've got younger brothers. Were, were they so young that you guys could not have competitive games at the house, or were they old enough that there was a lot of competition, You know, whether it was basketball or football or baseball or whatever else, in and around the house? 
Oh man, we we was all uh, you know back to back to back, so it was nothing but competition. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what you know grew us up. You know, it made us the uh, players we became. You know, we was competing every day. You know, as soon as we'd get off the buses or you know coming home from school, we'd drop our stuff and we outside two on two until you know dinner time. So you know, man, that's that's kind of what you know grew us up. So it was always competition. Was there competition when you got to the dinner table? I mean, four growing boys, all athletes, been playing since they got home from school, and now it's supper time? Oh, yeah, it wasn't no leftovers. It wasn't no leftovers. <laughs> you go get you a nice little plate before, it, before, it, uh, before you uh, step away out of the kitchen because it's, it's gone after that. So, baby, we've been talking this week, and, and we've started doing something. We're trying to put together the all-time Mississippi college football team. And it's a really hard thing to do. We talked about quarterbacks some last week, and, and now we've transitioned to running backs. And so I asked Deuce McAllister this yesterday, and I'd love to hear from you. If I had to ask you to name the four best running backs that have ever played college football in Mississippi, who would you put on the list? Who would I put on the list? Okay, okay. It's, it's, it's really not hard for me. I'm going to go with uh, Walter Payton. Okay. Uh Booby Dixon, okay, uh, Deuce, and uh, Jarius Norwood. So Jarius Norwood would be your fourth. Uh huh. Okay. Hey, Dad, are you good with that list? Man, I don't have a problem with that list at all. <laughs> that was that was almost my list. I just Booby, I decided I wanted to go with Damian Fletcher from Southern just because I think he's the all-time leading rusher in the state, and I, I thought that that deserved to be on there. Right, right, and uh. You know, Damien was a great runner, man. Uh, me and Damien came up around the same time. You know what I'm saying? We was in college doing our thing, in high school doing our thing around the same time. And I was always picking up the paper and watching what he was doing. And, you know, like you say, he was a great runner, man. It's just, you know, he kind of played in that conference USA, man. And, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I just can't, I can't give him the nod over Deuce and Norwood, you know, or even myself. You know, and other guys because, you know, just because of that fact, he wasn't playing the top team every week. If you look at strength of schedule, you know what I'm saying? I was playing number one schedules, top ten schedules the whole time I was there at State. And uh, the other guy, I think the other guys were too. Anthony Dixon on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line. We're talking running backs with him. I'm always curious when, when we get a chance to talk to guys who played at a high level in college, who played in the NFL Obviously, before that, you had to have a big-time high school career. So what level of football for you was the most fun from the time you first started playing until the time where you're no longer playing? Well, man, you know, I'm always say, you know, the NFL was the most fun because, you know, just because of the way, you know, how it was set up. You know, it's an all-star league. You're playing against the best of the best. So, you know, it's a dream come true for all of us and, you know that's you know that's what we that's the uh, that's why we started you know to make it to the NFL. So you know playing in the NFL, playing amongst those big crowds, you know the big time money games. You know myself playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, that was that was the most fun. Who was the guy that you didn't want to have to hit? I mean, you had the reputation as a power runner and a guy that would go up against anybody, you know, in the middle, not afraid to bounce it to the outside, could do a lot of different things, but you had that power runner. 
Who was the, the linebacker or the defensive lineman that you just didn't look forward to having a collision with? <laughs> uh, man, it, 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 honestly, man, it wasn't nobody that I didn't look forward to having a collision with. I was a big guy, you know. Right. My whole career, all I heard was, dang, you a big boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you a load. So it really wasn't nobody that I was, you know, worried about, you know, hitting me or nothing like that. But to just, uh, you know, throw out a name. I would say uh, my favorite um, guys were to go up against was um, Patrick Willis, uh, Jamar Chaney. Uh, we had a lot of battles. K.J. Wright, um, you know, guys like that, you know, just, you know, Jamar Chaney and K.J. Wright, I face them every day in practice. And Patrick Willis, I, I face him like one time, but – I got to see a lot of them in the NFL with the 49ers facing him every day, and he was a low. He was a thumper. You know, so those are probably – I was going to ask you about Patrick Willis. I mean, is that a guy that you're glad he's on your team and you don't have to deal with him on the other side of the ball? Oh, yeah, man, because he a hard worker. He a leader. He a a legit dude, man. He a great guy. Visiting with Anthony Booby Dixon, talking running backs in the the state of Mississippi, how much did you look – Booby at, at other running backs and try to maybe copy a style or kind of emulate your game based on what other guys had done? And it could be somebody from when you were growing up or that you saw when you were in college or maybe a former NFL player. You said, I, I want to be like that when I run the football. Oh, yeah, man. I did it all the time, you know. And uh, I think the smart ones, they'll tell you they did it too. Uh, I mean, you always. You know, I had guys growing up that I, you know, took out there like uh, I always loved watching Walter Payton clip. Uh, I didn't get to see him play a whole lot, but, you know, I grew up in Jackson, and that's all I heard about. That's all they talked about. So I ended up studying a lot of his clips. I love Adrian Peterson. Um, I love watching Norwood. You know, I, I even enjoy watching Dude and, uh, you know, all those guys. So, you know, I always tried to, you know, take what they was doing and, you know, go out on the field and see if I could do it. And if I could do it, if it felt comfortable, then I tried to add it to my game, you know, and I just kept getting getting better. The NFL and, and offenses in the NFL have changed a lot, and it felt like we went through a window where the running back position was viewed as less important, but it's almost like we've kind of come back full circle and people are kind of re-emphasizing the importance of a running back, whether it's Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys or, or other guys. How do you look at the running back position professionally now and, and, and its importance to successful offenses? Uh, man, I always uh, view the running back position as relevant. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the harder position to play. You know what I'm saying? you got to be tough. you got to be tough to be a runner. You know, you getting beat up a lot. you got to pass block. you got to really know the game like a quarterback, you know, because you got to know blocking schemes and stuff like that. You got to know, you know, where your linemen going. So it's really a tough position to play in. It. And, you know, I don't think they give it a lot of credit, you know, but I never viewed it as going away or nothing like that because you got to run the ball. You got to be able to run the ball. You're no right. Point blank you can't, can't go through a – I don't think it can be done. You know, you can, you know, go through too many games just throwing the ball. You know, so, hey, you know, I always viewed the running back position as relevant. I still think it's, you know, relevant today, and we need to be paid more. You know, the guys in there now, they need to be paid more, and, you know, that's just that. 
What's your best memory from the NFL? What's my best memory? Um, I would say, man, just in Atlanta when we came back and uh, beat them, and uh, you know we we uh, won NFC Championship game, and you know I got yeah. a crucial first first down late in that game, um, you know, and then you know after the you know zeros hit the clock, I realized we were going to the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? I've never been filled with so much happiness and joy and relief, you know, in my life because that was one of my dreams. And, you know, I told people my rookie year when San Francisco, you know, picked me up, I was like, we're going to the Super Bowl. It's time to bring the 49ers back because I was a, you know, lifelong 49ers fan. So, you know, for all of this stuff, because I love Jerry Rice. So for all of this stuff to, you know, come, you know, you know, to, to life, Oh, man, it was just one of the greatest moments. Booby, really enjoyed visiting with you this afternoon. I hope we can do this again once we uh, roll around to football season and uh, maybe continue to uh, talk to you some along the way. Wish you and your family the uh, the happiest 4th of July and appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Man, thank you all for having me. Y'all have a great 4th also. You, you, you as well. That's Anthony Booby Dixon, standout at Mississippi State, standout at Terry High School, Played in the Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We'll be back after this in the Renaissance Make Studio. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thanks to Booby Dixon for spending some time with us on Sports Talk Mississippi this afternoon on the Farm Bureau phone line. He's a funny guy. Oh, you like hilarious. that, hey, Dad? hilarious guy real fun to interview too yeah what do you say those guys need to get paid more we should have gotten paid more everybody needs to get paid more that's right i mean who's gonna argue with that no, nobody's I, arguing with that yeah i mean i guess the people signing the paychecks but uh, aside from that everybody's on board with let's get paid more the governors are against that yeah they have owners in the nfl oh okay i wasn't sure how that worked yeah so it's, uh, it's less offensive in the nfl than it is in the nba evidently mm. Working towards um, that. Yeah, I was about to say. I don't know. The NFL's not quite as woke as the NBA is. It's the first time I've ever used the term woke, by the way. Nice. Not just on the radio, but in I mean I've read it before. In life. I don't think I don't think I've ever you outside of I woke up early or they woke me up. Nope. Other than those T shirts you wear all the time. What T shirts? I'm real woke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Use it sarcastically, but where can I get one? No, I don't even think I've used it sarcastically. I think that's the first time I've ever used the phrase "woke" to describe anything. For some reason, I can't get that image of Jerry Jones when they did the whole team kneeling thing before the national anthem, and he finds the camera and he's staring directly into the camera in the middle of his football team on a knee. Can't get that out of my head for some reason. Wasn't strategic at all. Did he say woke? No, no, just, just like that. That was the symbolism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the, the 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 least surprising part of that is Jerry Jones found the camera. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, he's like Brooks Kepka's girlfriend, just always right in front of the camera, somehow, some way. Is that what Brooks Kepka's girlfriend does? Oh, she's got a talent for making sure that her kiss with Brooks Kepka after he wins is front and center on the camera. There's video of her waiting to kiss him until the camera guy pans to them in the middle, and then she grabs his face and goes for it. She's a pro. 
Well, she did get rejected that one time before the final round. She was walking with him and went in for it. He just stone cold her. You ever seen that video? <laughs> she's Borky. mad, too. Hey, Dad, do you think Borky's insinuating that she's not in it for love? I can't believe that anybody would think such a thing, but it, it does sound like he's saying that. She might be in it for love, but there's some perks as well. I mean, she's like an F-list actress, you know, you got to get jobs somehow. <laughs> F-list. She's below Kathy Griffin, is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah. She did wow. like Sharknado 3. <laughs> and she didn't have a big part. She was, you know, scared customer number two. Yeah, like she got her leg bitten off early on in the movie. Does yeah. that get you an IMBD page? Probably. Or it's on there DD. somewhere. Rippy, you look like you want to add to this conversation, but you're afraid you might say something you'll regret. It's a pretty accurate face read, but I got nothing. Okay. Um, how about Booby Dixon putting himself in the top four all-time running backs in Mississippi? I kind of appreciate that. Oh, he's right. He he is right. If you know Booby, that is the least surprising thing ever, man. That guy, I'm not, I don't he's know a self-promoter. Him. He's a self He did it like confidently, not like arrogantly. There's a difference. Yeah. It's like, hey, give me your top four all the time. He goes, uh, Walter Payton, Booby Dixon, uh, probably Deuce, and he went Jarius Norwood for the fourth. Well, Deuce yeah. did it too. He just named a few candidates before he got to himself and He named like eight guys and then he goes, Yeah, I might be in the mix. Come on, Deuce. Yeah, that's why I appreciate the other one more. Yeah, just straight up, here it is for you. Did you guys see what happened in Kentucky last night? Non there, what? 45,000 barrels of Jim Beam went up in smoke. That's approximately $3 worth of bourbon. How much? About $83. <laughs> well, but hold on a second. Jim Beam's not that cheap. <laughs> it's not like it's like five star. Yeah, but I mean, I, Kentucky I think, Tavern. I think generally Ooh, speaking, Kentucky people Tavern. would say that the um, that white label bottle is pretty good and terrible. But the thing is, Jim Beam is the largest bourbon distributor in the country. I'm sorry, in the world. There's nobody that has more bourbon distributed, but there are a whole bunch of different labels that go under the Jim Beam umbrella. Right. Uh, Booker's, Basil Hayden's, Knob Creek, Baker's, those are all part of the Jim Beam small batch bourbon collection. 45,000 barrels. I was listening to uh, it was a show out of Birmingham this morning and a guy who had recently been on one of those tours and he said as soon as the bourbon goes into the barrel to begin the aging process, that's when the distilleries have to pay tax on it. So they've already paid taxes on all of that bourbon that just went up in smoke today. Oh. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling into the 4 o'clock hour with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and Michael Borkey. 
Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com. If you are a farmer in North Mississippi, hope you're doing business with Mississippi Land Bank. And if you're not, then it certainly would be a good time to check in with them, kind of talk to them about the services they offer, because uh, improvement to the land, they can help you with that. Equipment loans, operating loans, certainly buying property, so real estate loans, if you're thinking about buying timber land, they can help with that as well. Uh, agribusiness loans, production loans. Mississippi Land Bank is in the agriculture business. They serve the northern 32 counties in the state of Mississippi and would love to help you with whatever your financing or refinancing needs are. You can contact them through their website, mslandbank.com, or you can go there, click on the Contact tab, find a branch location near you, or just grab a phone number and call the branch office that is closest to you and let them know what it is that you need. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Good to be with you this afternoon. Uh, I think this will probably be an abbreviated version, but we do want to continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B a n a n a s. This day is bananas. One hundred teams in one hundred days. Right now. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown. Counting down one hundred teams in one hundred days for team number fifty-nine on the countdown. We go to the Mac. Western Michigan picks second in the Western Division of the MAC. And I don't know, are, are they still rowing the boat at Western Michigan? Wasn't there some litigation involved and then they ultimately caved to Minnesota? I don't know if they caved or Minnesota or PJ Fleck had to pay a little money for them to cave, but yeah, there, there was some litigation. P.J. Fleck at Minnesota as a result of the 2016-13-1 season for Western Michigan. Last year they went 7-6, and and they lost in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl 49-18 to BYU. year before that, or two years before that, I mean, that, that team played in the Cotton Bowl. Only lost that season 13-0 going into the Cotton Bowl. They played Wisconsin, who was the eighth-rate team in the country, and a fairly competitive game, 24-16. to uh, 16. Tim Lester is the head coach going into his third year, third year overall as a head coach. Interesting stuff on the uh, the schedule for Western Michigan. Eh, not a lot. They go to Michigan State in Week 2. They go to Syracuse in Week 4. And then I always love to see when their midweek games are. Last three games of the year for Western Michigan are on Tuesdays. They play Ball State on Tuesday, November 5th. That's a great day. I'll celebrate with them. They play at Ohio on Tuesday, November 12th. And then they close out the season. I guess that's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving at Northern Illinois. And how about that throwing a, a wrinkle in your schedule? You go from nine straight Saturdays to three straight Tuesdays playing your football games. Power of television. You want people to watch you, don't you? Yeah. 
And I guess in November, people will watch college football on a Tuesday night. People would watch it in August. People would watch so? it. People yes. would watch it today. It's a good point. You think, Borky? You're like our ratings guru. How do those Tuesday night Maction games do in the ratings? Uh, I mean, not great, but it's million people watch. Yeah, around there, it's the most that the Mac will ever get. So, I mean, it works out for them, but it's not anything anywhere close to what an SEC team will see on a Saturday. Probably aligns pretty closely to how many wagers placed on the game. <laughs> that also helps. <laughs> You've either got hardcore college football fans or hardcore gamblers that are tuning in on Tuesday nights in November. For The Venn action. diagram of that is probably pretty good, actually. It's probably a good overlap. Yeah, think so? I think so. wonder if that number is going to go up the more states legalize it. Maybe a little, but it's not like people weren't doing it before. Because yeah. the, this past year, uh, Nevada was not the most wagered state. It was actually New Jersey. Yeah. Hmm. More money was put down on sports in New Jersey than Nevada this year. So the, the more it gets widespread, I wonder how much that's going to take into account. Because even like the, the bad NFL games that are in the midweek, audience usually drops off if a game gets bad, like a direct correlation. But NFL games, they stay stagnant. Even if the game's a complete blood in the fourth quarter because of fantasy points and money on the game. How about that? Western Michigan, out of the MAC, team number 59 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Anybody ever been to Kalamazoo? A cousin plays soccer there, but never really? made the trek to go watch her. Right, that makes you not a very good cousin. Eh, I don't like her very much. When I told her I was going to college in Jeez. Mississippi, she said, Wow, man, just well, straight up on her. Well, here's a great example of, of how or why. When I told the family I was going to college in Mississippi, she said, wait, do they really have, like, no stoplights there? It's like, okay, yeah, you're one of those people. Just a bunch of roundabouts. <laughs> this is this is my top three famous alums here for this. Okay. Uh, this is where I'm going. Tim Allen, Luther Vandross, Tool Man. and Terry Crews. Wait, I missed the second one because I was yelling Tool Man out. One shining moment, baby, Luther Vandross. Okay. And who's the third? Terry Crews. The office linebacker? No, that's, that's Terry, Terry Tate. Tate. Why does every you are like the millionth person to do that? Any he, Terry he could, he could I have ask been about the office linebacker. He's who is Terry like Crews? The, the big muscle guy in every movie. What's yeah. the office linebacker? That's his oh, You've never seen time. Office Linebacker Terry Tate? No. Okay, that's your uh, that's your YouTube assignment during the break. A little Google search of Terry Tate, office linebacker. Yeah. Why? It's, so funny. it's funny. It's worth it. It's funny. Honorable mention to Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, a, a very like a yellow ribbon. <laughs> the GM. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that he's not great at his job or good at his job or whatever. It's just, just I mean, it's if, just where he's worked. Yeah. You think he's a fairly famous alum? Yeah, I'm looking so. at this list. Yeah, more so than Tim Allen. No, no. <laughs> hey, hey, Dan, we got a couple of minutes. I want to circle back to this. We started talking about it earlier. Sad news out of Kentucky today: Jared Lorenzen has passed away at the age of 38. 
He was very public about the battle that he had with obesity, and there was a point in 2017 where he was up over 500 pounds, had tried to kind of launch a weight loss campaign and was documenting that publicly, had dropped about 100 pounds, and you said a second ago, coming from a big guy, if you're a big guy, you've got to do something. Yeah. I ask you the question, what 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 was it that made you go, okay, enough, I got to do something about this? I mean, it just hurt to get out of bed. Just rolling out of bed was painful. Uh, I couldn't walk, you know, 100 yards without being out of breath. Um, you know, I was tired of all my clothes being too tight. And, I mean, I got two young girls, man. I'd like to walk them down the aisle at some point. So, I mean, all that combined, I was just like, I have to do something different. Had, had you talked about doing something, oh, I need to lose some weight in the past and never really followed through? And, and, and I, I would tell you probably, Richard, that among, you know, big guys, obese people, that they probably all have that conversation with themselves at least once in their lifetime. It's just who gets off it and doesn't. Some people have it more than once. I've had it more than once. Um, in what, fall of 2017, I dropped down. I actually got under 300. I was down to like 298. And then it just, you know, Thanksgiving and, and uh, Christmas. And, of course, I went into a deep depression after the 2017 Egg Bowl. So, I mean, it just, I mean, I just, you know, I started eating again. And I got away from exercise. And I put it all right back on. So, so far, so good with with, the, with what I'm doing right now. And I, I, feel, I feel a lot better. The weight loss is coming along. But I, I just feel so much better right now. Wife and girl and your daughters have been supportive, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did, did you ever have that conversation with your wife where she said to you, I, I love no. you, and that's why I'm saying this, you, you got to do something? No, she, she never said anything to me. You know, she was just, she, she loved me for what I was, but uh, I, I knew that I had to do something. Well, good for you. How many are you down at this point? I, I'm between 35 and 40, depending on which day of the week it is. Fair enough. And that's like, what, five months in? Yeah. There you go. Good progress. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good is my main thing. Yeah. That's important. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Tomorrow we will celebrate the independence of the United States of America, July 4, 1776, 4th of July. Fireworks, barbecue, grills, water. That's a pretty American day, isn't it? Kind of checks all the boxes. I was like, water? We're just going to bottles of water? They took me a second there. I caught them. You know, pools, yeah. lakes, oceans, and whatnot. And, 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 the, and the like, yes. And the like. Are you going to find a body of water tomorrow, hey, Dad? Uh, that seems unlikely. No pool in the future? 
Uh, I'm not, not planning on it, no. Okay. Are you a pool guy or a water guy at oh, all? Oh, no, I love, not, I love no. to get out in the pool, love to get in the water, but just probably not likely to happen tomorrow. Isn't there a big lake in Starkville? Uh, there, there, there's yeah, and there's like a little water park out there on it, but it's it's this is not for me. What's the name of the lake right outside of Starkville, where people take boats and ski and play and whatnot? Tiacata. No, yeah. that's in. Well, that's in, that's closer to Louisville. That's in Louisville. There's a big lake right outside of Starkville, though, right? Yeah. What is it? What's it called? It's, you're gonna laugh when I tell you. It's Octavio County Lake. Why would I laugh? I just didn't know what the name of it was. Oh, because it's, it's pretty simple. It's just named after the county. Is it a man-made lake? Uh, I don't believe so. I could be wrong, though. You don't know a lot about... Well, I don't go out Oct- there, so no, I don't... I don't Octavio County it. Lake, do you? No, I don't. I, I was taken to the refuge once in college. Is that the same place? No. Okay, what's that? The refuge is, is a refuge. It's a wildlife refuge. Okay, but it was on a big lake... Well, I mean, there's a big body of water out there. It's 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 like a swamp almost. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. What were the circumstances of you going to the refuge, Borky? Yeah, that's that's a better question. Oh, just I, I wanted to see the whole state uh, when I was in college, and we had uh, most every weekend people from Starkville drove up and hung out with us and went to our parties and all that. Um, and one guy said, you've got to come check this place out. It showed us pictures, all that looked really cool. So we got in the car one weekend and uh, went and hung out with him and fooled around on the lake and went fishing and had some beers and did all that. Okay. I wanted to see it all, man. I, I've not been everywhere in the Delta, but we just we would go snow geese hunting, which was really fun. It, you would try to spot the flocks. I mean, you Wait, could see uh, them in the uh, air and chase uh, hold them. Hold on a second. Oh, oh, let me interrupt just for a second. You know that's two different places, right? The Delta and I know, but Starkville, Octavia County. Yeah, but I led it with I wanted to see the entire state when I was in college because okay. I didn't know what no, no, was I'm next. with you. So I'm with you. I, I would just do things like that, and, and and sometimes I would even get in the car myself and just kind of go somewhere. Like I, I went to Como Steakhouse by myself once, just because that's a good spot. Um, I heard about it so much, and I had nothing to do, and so I got in the car, and I was working one summer, so I got in the car and drove there. I kind of weird like that, but. So I spent some time on the refuge one weekend. You went goose hunting? Oh, man, it's so fair? much fun. Those things are Snow huge. geese. How's that fair? Those things are huge. If oh, you miss, you should stop. And they're messy, too. Yeah, they're messy, and you, you can't really, really eat them. But uh, they pick the, like... Goose poo is a disaster. They poop when you shoot them? <laughs> well, they just randomly do when they need to go, and they're flying through the sky. If you have big old goose poo bomb on your windshield or catches you on the noggin, it's not a pretty day. So it's a 12-gauge versus a turd. What? When you're hunting them, they poop on you. I mean, I guess theoretically they could. No, that was two separate thoughts. You were talking about it being unfair because they're big, and I was just telling you the biggest issue that people have with geese Uh-oh. is their bowel movements. Appreciate that tidbit. <laughs> now you know. know. Borky, I feel like I uh, derailed... No, it's fine. I mean, that <laughs> talking no, about I that was know better where than you just, went goose hunting. Uh, just so what we did, and heck, it may not even be legal, but I imagine the statute of limitations <laughs> has Jeez. has subsided. But uh, these flocks of snow geese would just destroy the farms, and so you would chase the flocks. I mean, you see them by the hundreds, just up in the air flying, and you would drive and drive and drive, and then they would land on these farms, and 
my buddy told me that there was a few weeks every year that they opened this up, and I just believed him because, you know, what the heck, right? And you would knock on the, the door of the farmer and say, hey, you've got snow geese, you mind if we go shoot them? And every single time they're like, yes, please get them off my property. So we'd crawl and stalk these geese and, and, and shoot at them and kill as many as we could, and the flock would go fly up in the air again, and we would chase them and, and chase them and chase them, and they would land again, we'd go knock on another farmer's door, they would say yes, and we'd go shoot the birds again. Fair enough. Thomas in Greenwood says they destroy wheat fields. Text message says this segment is crap. Nice. Um, it's, it's July third. And y'all didn't catch uh, the no, joke, guys. Man. Come oh, on, stupid oh, jeez. Uh, I, I got it. I'm the only idiot here. Uh, eh, well. Somebody says it's called Noxaby Wildlife Refuge. A lot of fun out there, man. It was that was a great day. You felt like. I don't mean this negatively. You felt like you were in the middle of nowhere. It was a lot of fun. Technically, you were. I mean, uh, I guess so, but like there was nothing else around us all day long. We were completely by ourselves uh, where he had us fishing and hanging out and all that. You know where I want to go in the state? I've never been. I want to go where? to Woodall Mountain, the highest point in the state. Like It's like the only mountain in the state. Pretty sure the highest point in the state is that uh, cell phone tower that looks like the monument, like the Washington Monument. Yeah, the Obeliskin Mountain. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think that I is. I think uh, he's talking it, about a naturally occurring monument. I, I'm pretty sure this, this place is, is taller than that too. So, it's eight hundred. Is it, is it in feet. Northeast Mississippi? It's yeah. It's in uh. It's in Tishomingo County, south of Iuka. There you go. Uh, let's see uh, a couple of other notes. Um, Joe and Bubba both send messages that say the Ten Tom Waterway is where a lot of people in like Starkville Golden Triangle uh, will go uh, if they're doing like yeah. lake stuff. Go to the river instead. Yeah. Um, hey, Dad, this uh, this message perhaps disappoints you. Woodall Mountain is a total waste of time. Absolutely nothing there. Oh, that's other a- than the fact that you can take a picture of yourself and say you've been there. There is that. David and Socher wants to know, Borky, if you've ever been cow tipping. We tried, but it's not that easy. We did it in high school. A good buddy of mine lived right next to a little farm. This guy had like 15 cows. And right after we graduated high school, he had a party because he had a pool and all this stuff in his backyard. And we did what high school graduates do, which is something stupid. And we jumped the fence and tried to push the cows over. And they're not easy to push over. Completely unsuccessful. Were they sleeping? No, they were all standing up uh, because we could hear them. Isn't that kind of the point, though, for the the whole cow tipping? You wait till they're asleep? Sounds like that could get messy. I guess, but we we were um, celebrating our our high school graduation, and so we probably didn't think it through. You're saying as an underage minor, you were intoxicated and decided to go cow tipping. that That is not what I said. I said we were celebrating. Thomas in Greenwood says cow tipping only works on the levee. <laughs> Jeez. That sounds like a little uh, personal experience talking there, Thomas. Um, here's another vote for uh, Woodall Mountain. Not much to see from Cameron. He says uh, it's just a big hill. Yeah, but it's the highest point in the state. Yeah. It'd be cool. You'd take a selfie, wouldn't you? I would. Is it higher than one of like the the tall buildings in downtown Jackson? Well, again, I mean, we're talking about man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if the Burj Dubai was in Mississippi, it would be the tallest point 
But it wouldn't be the tallest naturally occurring land area. Right? Right. It's the tallest building versus the highest point above sea level. Yeah. Well, I was just assuming he meant highest point in general. Like, you're, you're the tallest thing in the state no matter what. That I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a radio tower or a TV tower somewhere that's the tallest point in the state. Right. <sighs> Whatever. I feel like we these, uh, these people lost a little that. momentum there. Hey, the um, collegiate baseball national team roster was finalized yesterday, and you got a pretty good Mississippi representation on it. Um and SEC as well. Tyler Brown from Vanderbilt, relief pitcher on there. Uh, Jeff Criswell, who you saw in the College World Series. Reed Detmers from Louisville, who you saw in the College World Series. Asa Lacey from Texas A&M. Uh, Tanner Allen from Mississippi State. Justin Foscue from Mississippi State. And Doug Nikhazy from Ole Miss. It's just the two Mississippi State guys, right, Hey Dan? Or is there a yeah, third? Westport. Westberg was on the original roster, but when they cut it down, he didn't make the the cut. Okay, so Tanner Allen and Justin Foscue both on collegiate baseball Team USA, and then Doug Nikhazy, the freshman from Ole Miss. And Nikhazy, in one of the inter-squad games, was actually penciled in in left field, and I think hit eighth in the order in uh, an inter-squad game. It's a little bit different look there. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Hey, remember we were talking about the uh, Music City Bowl earlier this week when we were uh, previewing Purdue as one of the teams on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days? Yeah. That game is being replayed on the SEC Network right now with 2.01 to play in the second quarter. Auburn was up 55-7. to Oof. I remembered it was bad. I didn't remember it was that bad. And then there wasn't much in the second half, right? The second half was just boring. Yeah. Anyway. Who's playing quarterback at Auburn this year? Either Joey Gatewood or Bo Nix. Yeah, but they're a top ten team. Don't worry about it. You guys looked at it. I mean, Bo Nix was a high school player a year ago. Joey Gatewood, I think he's a redshirt freshman. He is a redshirt freshman. That's correct. Um. There are a lot of people that think Bo Nix may win that job. Number one dual threat quarterback in the country last year. I am the son of Patrick Nix. Yeah. Um, Joey Gatewood, 6'5", 237. Redshirt freshman. I'm looking to see if he actually played at all last year. Surely he did his four games. Yeah, I would think so, but not a lot. Um... Stidham just never felt like he fit there. Not that he wasn't a good player, wasn't talented or anything, but Gus Malzahn's at his best when, I mean, he has a dynamic athlete who also lines up at quarterback. He did play last year. Gatewood did? Yeah. Well, and, and but I just remember that it was limited because you had Stidham and then Malik Willis was kind of the backup, and... Auburn had a bunch of games where they didn't get like deep into the roster. Yeah. Let's see here. I mean, they had a close right. game against LSU. For the season, Gatewood 
was 0 for 1 passing and rushed three times for 28 yards. So he didn't play much. I mean, if right. if, if there was legitimately a thought, and, and I think that's a little bit of a knock on on Gus Malzahn. Now, it's not always about building for the future. You're trying to win games in the present. And no question, Stidham was the quarterback, and Malik Willis was the backup. But they didn't trust Malik Willis. They they just didn't. Yeah. I mean, you look I mean, the, at their the, schedule. They only the had... backup. Well, I was just gonna say real quick. The the backup quarterback for Auburn was five for seven for twenty. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Five for seven for twenty four yards last year. Yeah. I mean, you look at their schedule. Close win against Washington. Then they blew out Alabama State. Close loss to LSU. Blew out Arkansas. Close win over USM. Lost to State. Lost to Tennessee. Ole Miss game was close. A and M was close. Georgia, you know, loss. Uh, Liberty, they blew them out, and then Alabama and Purdue. I mean, they only played in three like blowout games. That were yeah, I was there anyway. for the Liberty game, and I'm pretty sure Gatewood did not play. Malik Willis did come in late in that ball game. I don't think Joey Gatewood played in that game, and Cord Sandberg did not. Why would you play your third string though? In the prism of a season. Like, I've never seen a coach back. Like, this second string sucks. We're going with the third string guy. Well, he, State matter. did it last over. year with Jalen Maiden because they had the new redshirt rule, and he could play four games. Just because so got, you can get them out there and see They got them, him a I couple guess, series in, uh, in, I think, three of the non-conference games. Yeah, I just have a hard time knocking the guy for that. Like, Ole Miss didn't play their third string. Corral played four games. But if you don't trust your backup, like you don't believe he's going to be the quarterback – don't you want to see another guy in a game situation? I mean, Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix are competing for the starting job this year. Plus, as Richard said, Malik Willis only threw seven passes. Not, they didn't play the second-string guy either. Right, but that's not uncommon. I just have trouble knocking the guy for not playing his third quarterback in limited action. Yeah, and, and there weren't many situations that probably allowed for it, period. Um. Yeah, and when I say when I say it's kind of on on Gus, I'm I'm not necessarily knocking it, but it was pretty evident from the people that covered Auburn and watched that team on a game in game out basis. Everybody looked at it and and, and said that they don't trust Malik Willis as the backup. Yeah, which makes you think if they don't trust him as the backup, he's not going to be the starter going forward. So maybe they struck out in the transfer market? They did. They went after Kelly Bryant. I think they also went after uh, oh the guy who ended up at Florida State from Wisconsin. I can't remember his name. Hornybrook? Hornybrook? Yeah. They really wanted Alex Hornybrook yeah, to play I was quarterback say, have you Auburn? seen him throw? I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I remember. No, I know. I think, I, he may have gotten I know they went hard after Kelly Bryant. I think they thought they were the favorite for him, to be honest with you. If you're Kelly Bryant, why would you go to Missouri instead of Auburn? Run an NFL system. I mean, yeah, Drew Locke just went in the uh, Was Drew Locke a first-round pick? I don't remember. Yes. No? I thought he was a second. I'll double-check. Maybe it was early second. I mean, a little bit more QB-friendly, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it second is going to be Second-round pick a... number 42. Okay. okay. So, second-rounder. Yeah. And Stidham got drafted, but it was later. But no, I, I, that that's fair. You don't have to play Alabama. You don't have to play LSU. Kelly Bryant wasn't in a pro-style system at Clemson, though. No, that's true. 
I don't, it's not. There's a difference between pro style and just quarterback friendly. Yeah. And the only quarterback from Auburn that's been drafted it was the biggest freak of nature, maybe ever. Jason Campbell. If we were only doing the uh, the high school guys, he would have been on our quarterback list. Yeah, Gus doesn't have a great reputation with quarterbacks. I mean, his uh. best quarterback played defensive back in the NFL, which he also won a bunch of games, went to a national title, probably should have won that national title, but you get my point. Yeah, and then Stidham, I mean, Stidham regressed from last year to this year. Just well, and you can make the argument regress from his time at Baylor to his time at Auburn. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. Different system there, obviously, you know, throwing the ball over the field at Baylor versus Auburn. They, they, they really do want to run the ball first. But this year, and that's the thing with Auburn this year, they weren't a great running team. You know, leading rusher on the team only had 780 yards. Yeah, did, did not have a 1,000-yard rusher at Auburn, and the hope is that a healthy uh, Booby Whitlow this year can get back to that because Auburn is a team and a program that expects a 1,000-yard rusher every single year. Yeah. And frankly, they've had it. Well, and that's what kind of his whole deal, his system hinges upon. Like, you got to be able to run the football. Yeah, like they ran it okay against Ole Miss. <laughs> Madison Central High School could have run it okay against that defense <laughs> last year. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Um, All Star Game is coming up. We talked a couple of days ago about the rosters for the All Star teams, but Sports Illustrated gives us ten snubs which include a former Bulldog and a former Rebel. Who are they? In the American League, Luke Voigt, first baseman for the Yankees, who's got 17 home runs and has driven in 50. Probably gets in on the fan voting. I Excuse me, the uh, whatever the last round is. And there are a couple more that go in. When guys start saying they're not going to play and opens up some spots? No, I didn't there. Uh, hold on. Uh, Xander Bogarts, the shortstop for the Red Sox, does not get in. Second highest war in the American League. Glaber Torres, shortstop second baseman for the Yankees, um, does not get in. He's got a, had a pretty doggone good season. 19 home runs, 295, 361, 550 slash line with a 139 OPS+. plus. Those are really good numbers, and Aaron Boone, the manager of the Yankees, spoke out about it today. He was like, it's ridiculous that Glaber Torres is not on that team. Here's the former Rebel, Lance Lynn, right-hander for the Rangers, says it's understandable why Lynn, the lone pitcher snub in the AL, was left off the roster. His four ERA is not what you'd expect from one of the league's best pitchers, but when you look at more advanced analytics, 3.8 war leads AL pitchers, or traditional statistics, 10-4 and record, and Lynn seems like a no-brainer. Snubs on the National League side of things. Max Muncy, the second baseman from the Dodgers. 20 home runs, 58 driven in on the year. Fernando Tatis, the shortstop with the Padres. Manny Machado, the third baseman with the Padres. Cole Hamels, the left-handed pitcher for the Cubs. And Brandon Woodruff, the right-hander for the Brewers. Right up at Sports Illustrated, it says, The lone bright spot in the Brewers' spotty rotation, Woodruff has been invaluable to them in the ultra-competitive NL Central. 10-2, 379 ERA, 114 whip, leads the NL in wins, and has 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. That's fourth best in the National League. It's called the final vote. You get you vote from a list of five. You get one more in. So one more on each side. 
Out of that group of guys, who's your one more from the National League? Well, you'd have to give me a second on that. Okay. I think it's probably Voight probably. in the American League, though. Pretty cut and dry. You go Voight or Torres? It's Torres for me in the American. I think it's Tatis in the uh, in the National League. All right. Snubs for the All-Star game. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Just after 5 o'clock with you, not quite rolling into the weekend, but we are rolling into a holiday. Tomorrow, the 4th of July, Independence Day, fireworks, lake, grills, family, friends, or if you don't have to work and don't want to do anything, you can sleep into 1 in the afternoon or noon and wake up and watch the hot dog contest and go on about your day doing nothing. All of those options are on the table for you. It's good to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, one more hour on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Maybe you've had your eye on a piece of property. Just a recreational piece of property, not where you're going to live. It's not something that you're farming. Just a spot for you to be able to kind of get away. You can hunt on it a little bit if you want. You can fish on it a little bit if you want. You can build a cabin or put a shop out there or just have a spot to go walk around or ride four-wheelers, whatever it is that you want to do. Mississippi Land Bank can help you with the purchase. They've got friendly financing terms. They're fantastic people to deal with. Let me take it one step farther. You you want to get that recreational piece of property, but you got no idea where to look. Talk to the folks at Mississippi Land Bank. They deal in land financing, land purchases, land sales all the time, and they might be able to help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for, even if you just got an idea of what it is that you're looking for. Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday. Are we going to revisit the... uh, paddling in school suspension story or no that y'all got paddled no no that you didn't get in school suspension ever okay porky i'm not i'm not feeling full disclosure here but i think maybe we should move on yeah i would love for him to tell this story but i guess we're not going to get it and that's okay it's like i feel like we need to mine just a little bit deeper but there's a level of uncomfortableness that can't be overcome well he's doing better than my like fifth day ever on the radio with you when you pride my um throwing up all over Eatonton, georgia and waking up on a golf course story wasn't really prepared to share that with my father who was listening but you know (laughs) i have no recollection of that oh richard i mean that was five years ago man um yeah i had just started here and we got deep into your personal life a little bit too you ended up getting married as a result, but yeah, that was pretty sick, though. I mean, that was like a power play, and I mean, you steered that. I had no idea what you were doing, and you gave me like all the cool points in the world going into a first date, uh, and it ended up working out okay for me, I think. But uh, I think it was like baby my- Borky on the way. <laughs> yeah. Still hey, with- by the way, I, I I don't mean to interrupt your story, but Rippy was just about to open up and say something, and then you started talking again, oh, and he felt it. like. 
He no, felt like he, he missed his opportunity, and so oh. he has crawled back into his hole of seclusion. I ruined it. I bet there's someone listening out there that knows what happened. Well, if you're out there listening and you know what happened, you you want to call, you is can. It, is it time to a, open up the uh, Farm Bureau phone, phone line? right next to me. I'll answer it, put you right on the air. You can tell the story. 888-808-8637. I haven't given out that number in a long time. I got in trouble at a football game. I did get ISS once. Really? Yeah. Just for a day? No. <laughs> so it's a week. A week? <laughs> yeah. A week? Yeah. How did that go over at the Hacienda? The system was rigged against me is what happened. Um, not great. Not great. A tough couple weeks to be me back then. Yeah. Not a lot of fun dinnertime chats? The in-school suspension was better than going home after. Ooh. See, that was the thing about getting trouble at school. If, if you had to go home and tell your parents about it, that part was worse than actually getting in trouble at school. Well, we got put in a room that was like a computer lab, so it didn't have any windows. So, like, when our teacher would come in to give us work, we'd be like, is it sunny? Like, what's what's going on out there? I think the in-school suspension room at Oxford was also like an internal bunker. I had a couple of afternoon detentions, and and the the worst part of that, I had to go to detention one day, which made me late for football practice. That didn't play real well at the end of football practice that day, if I remember correctly. I just didn't know what to expect. We get put in this room with no windows, and then, like, the worst was, like, we had to, like, eat lunch at a different time, so we ate lunch with, like, kids that were in, like, first and second grade, so they're, like, pointing at us like we were, like, zoo animals or something while we're eating at a separate (laughs) table. (laughs) That was was one of the worst parts. Was there a special suspension menu that you got, or you got to eat what everybody else normal. Couldn't bring your own lunch? Normal cafeteria, but, like, you know, we're eating with seven-year-olds. So you just stared at the wall for an entire week? Did schoolwork, stuff like that. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know if we were going to go, like, pick up trash and cuffs or something. I had no idea what to expect. In hindsight, would you have preferred picking up trash and cuffs? No, I was inside. It was not so bad. I'm talking about having people look at you and point at you as they went by. I'm kidding. Uh... All right, Borky. I've interrupted you like three times. No, it's okay. I mean, I've, I've told this story before. I can't believe you don't remember it, though. So this was like five or six days into my my new job here. And they put me on the radio with you. And during one of the commercial breaks, I, I'm itching, just like crazy itching my back. And you asked me what was wrong. And I said, well, I had you know wicked bad sunburn, and I was peeling. And you said, what for? And I told you, like, the loose bits of the story. And you, you literally said, stop talking right now. And then music came back, and you coerced me into telling the story about how I won a beer chug competition in Eatonton, Georgia, a few weeks prior. And Oh, yeah, you got a trophy for that, didn't I, you? Yeah, and I can't find the trophy. There's a picture of me holding it somewhere on Facebook. But um, we stayed. That was Chunky Borky days, right? No, I looked good at that, at that point in my life. Hmm. Well, better than I did like my sophomore year when I ballooned up to almost 300. But we stayed, I forget what the golf course was called, but it's a lake in Georgia where Ben Roethlisberger has a house on, and there's a really nice golf course on there. And we, we rented uh, like townhouses that were on the golf course and did a lake weekend and all that good stuff. And the beer That's not Milledgeville, is it, where he got in trouble? 
No, I I think the town's called Eatonton. Eat, Eatonton. Okay. I forget what the lake's called. Lake Oconee, maybe? Yeah, Lake Oconee in Georgia. And Nice lake. It's a nice lake. And, and we got a ride to the bar where I won the beer chug competition, and the last thing I remember is getting handed the trophy. Apparently, I threw up in the bed of a pickup truck, in the fountain outside of the bar, in the bathroom in the mm-hmm. bar, and left the townhouses at some point and woke mm. up in a bunker on the golf course. <laughs> like the next day when somebody was playing and nearly hit you with a golf ball? Yeah, and I got woken up by the, the groundskeepers. And I said, do you guys know where the townhouses are? And one, it, the guy literally looks at me and just points in one direction. And I walked back to the townhouses. And the next morning is where I got all the sunburn. I fell asleep on the boat. Because they, they called it Island Fest. It's where Zach Brown got discovered. Um, and so, like, everybody pulls up their boats on this tiny little island, and they had a stage not set up. Not because he woke up in a sand trap. Not because he woke up in a sand trap, no. Different uh, talents. Yeah, different talents. I, I don't really think I have... Well, I won the competition. I won a trophy, so there's a talent for you. But I fell asleep face down on the boat, you know, nursing, whatever you want to call that, because it wasn't a hangover. It was something much worse. And nobody woke me up or anything. Just kind of let me sleep it off. And I was peeling for two weeks. <laughs> Sounds miserable. And that was the first story I told on the radio five years ago. Hey, Dad, are you just rolling your eyes? Pretty much. Time for Hey, Dad, to spill it. <laughs> what do you want to know? Uh... We'll get back to you on that. All right, then. <laughs> Think on what it is that we want to know. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every day we bring you the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Let you think on this question. You can log on to buyfordnow.com, find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And they don't just say that. Ford's got the best-selling truck in America, the F-150, for 42 consecutive years. That's almost as old as Brian Haydad. The last time that the F-150 wasn't the best-selling truck in America. Is that right? You're 42? I'm 43. Oh! Well, so your entire life it's been the F-150. I have never lived in a world where the Ford F-150 was not the best-selling truck in America. There you go. I want to keep it that way. There you go. Well, uh, you can do that by going and test driving one, getting behind the wheel. You're going to want to take it home with you at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. And you've got just a couple of more days to take advantage of... Special incentives for military members, current or former, and um, uh, first responders as well. That runs through July the 8th. Sporting News has come out with their preseason All-America teams. We'll tell you some of the guys on that. The question on the table is, neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State had a name appear on the preseason All-America teams from Sporting News. That was kind of expected. But if you had to select a player from Ole Miss or Mississippi State who would be an All-American when the season is over, who would it be? We'll get to that for your college football fix when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sporting news, Bill Bender and company put out their preseason All-America list. Quarterback Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne at running back, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin also at running back, wide receivers Jerry Judy from Alabama, Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, Jaron Pinkney, the tight end from Vanderbilt, is a preseason All-American. The offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Shane Lemieux from Oregon. Tyler 
Biadaz from Wisconsin, Tommy Kramer, Notre Dame, Walker Little at Stanford. Isn't Walker Little a guy that Ole Miss recruited really hard? Mm-hmm. Brother goes to school here. Good God. Yeah. Or went. Um, athlete on the team, Rondale Moore from Purdue. Remember him from Good a year player. ago. Good player. Defensive lineman, A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Derek Brown from Auburn. He's going to be a beast. Yeah. Kenny Willeeks from Michigan State. Chase Young from Ohio State. Linebackers Dylan Moses from Alabama, Patty Fisher at Northwestern, Isaiah Simmons at Clemson, C.J. Henderson, a cornerback from Florida, Bryce Hall from Virginia, Andre Sisco from Syracuse, Grant Delpit, who might be the best college football player in America, the first-team All-America safety out of LSU, uh, Andrew Smite, the kicker from Syracuse, Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M, Isaiah Wright, the return man from Temple, and then there's the second team as well. So that's your first team All-Americans for Sporting News. Nobody from Ole Miss or Mississippi State on the first team or named on the second team teams. So the question is, who's most likely to be an All-American from Ole Miss, from Mississippi State, from Southern Miss, if you'd like to throw it in as well? Hey, Dad, what about Mississippi State? It's two guys for me. It's either Errol Thompson or Cam Dantzler. I would go with Dantzler, though, the cornerback, uh, junior cornerback out of Louisiana. Uh, he, he's really, really good. Had a fantastic year last year. Coach Terrell Buckley can't say enough good things about him. Uh, and he'll obviously have some highlight opportunities because of the, the quality of uh, receivers he'll cover this year. He'll be the guy that State puts out there on the on the uh, on everybody's number one. So he's really, really good. And if he has a, a big season, four or five interceptions, he could uh, he could find himself on some of those teams. I'm saying if it's based on numbers, and you're talking about a corner, you, that's probably the number, right? Four, five, six picks. Yeah, you get if you oh, six picks, forty tackles, sure, yeah. yeah, something like that. Twenty PBUs, eh, something like that. PBUs, PBU and QB hurry are some of the most difficult stats to keep up with. Yeah. So, well, and if you're a really good corner, they don't throw your way, and you don't get a chance to break up passes, and so your number doesn't look as good. Yeah. Most likely to be an All-American at Ole Miss this year. On either side? Sure. Maybe Scotty Phillips or Elijah Moore. Okay. So two guys from the offensive side. What if I told you Mohamed Sanogo? Simply because of the numbers that if he stays healthy, he might be able to rack up. I guess that wouldn't shock me for volume of tackles, but that's a really difficult position to make it at. To be an All-American linebacker? And a defense that's not going to be particularly great, but yeah, I guess that wouldn't shock me. He'll be on the inside, right, in the 3-4? He'll be one of the two guys in the middle? Yes. I mean, teams are probably going to try to run the ball on Ole Miss. Say he goes for 115 tackles. Certainly possible. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. He got better as kind of, the year went on last year. He turned into He's, a good player. He was a good player. He was the, the, the kind of the veteran on the linebacking core, even as a sophomore. He's a good player. Yeah. Two years right. left with him in the middle of that defense, theoretically, anyway. Um, I think Elijah Moore is a good pick, too. What about a freshman All American? 
So incoming guys or guys that redshirted a year ago, is there a guy at Ole Miss that could be a freshman All-American? I mean, is the easy answer Jerry and Ely? Wouldn't the easy answer be Matt Corral? Yeah, I guess technically. I don't really necessarily see it, but there'd be one of those two more than likely. Yeah, and I don't know that Jerry and Ely will get enough carries. Yeah. Because you got basically a thousand yard rusher returning in Scotty mm-hmm. Phillips. I say basically. He was sub a thousand yards, but not for the injury would have gone over that number a year ago. Hey Dad, is there an incoming guy that could be potentially a freshman all American at Mississippi State? An incoming guy. Probably not. If you ask, if you, you want a redshirt guy, I would say Fabian Lovett, the defensive tackle uh, out of Olive Branch. Who, if I had to put together a starting lineup today, I think he would. If he's not the number two defensive tackle uh, starting alongside uh, Lee Autry, he's he's going to be very much in that competition. Big kid, uh, good athlete. I, I think he has an opportunity to, you know, obviously the, the hole left by Jeff Simmons is huge, and I don't think any one player can fill it. So it's going to be on him. Uh, and, and whoever else is alongside them at, at defensive tackle to do that. and hey, I think he's a, a young, talented player. Borky, anybody that jumps out at you from Mississippi State or Ole Miss that you think could be a an All-American this coming year? Yeah, I guess, I mean, Ely, you said, would be the easy answer. Maybe Jonathan Mingo. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get in the rotation, but Ely's an interesting case for me because it, they'll use some two-back sets and, and – Rodriguez's offense will get the ball to guys in space. Not chase space, but get his athletes the ball in space. Slightly different concept. But you have a 1,000-yard rusher in the SEC and Scotty Phillips returning, so how many carries do you want to take away from him to give to your freshman? You know what I mean? So everybody's, I hear people talking. I was at the Mississippi Braves game the other night, and somebody recognized me and asked me about, oh, well, Jerry Neely's going to be a 1,000-yard rusher, right? And it's like, well... How many carries is he going to get? Because every carry he gets, you're taking one away from Phillips in theory. And I don't know how much you want to do that. The second – I'm sorry, go ahead, Ada. And speaking of running backs, if if Joe Moorhead is uh, going to put the ball in his hands, Kylan Hill has an outside chance because I think he's certainly talented enough to be that guy. And did, we did a whole podcast about him, I think, on the, I think that was our Tuesday pod. Talking about him and how he could easily be a twelve hundred, you know, thirteen hundred yard rusher in the SEC this year if he uh, if he gets the opportunity. Is running back the most difficult position to be an All American? There's something to that because a lot of guys at smaller schools are going to rush for two thousand plus yards, and there's going to be some guy, maybe Najee Harris at Alabama or. DeAndre Swift, who plays for a playoff team. Travis Etienne is another example. That'll have big numbers, especially in the touchdown department, uh, because of the offenses they play for. Well, and and the two first-team running backs were Travis Etienne at Clemson and Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. Yeah, Taylor, forget about him. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's going to run the ball all the time. So yeah, Over his first two seasons, Jonathan Taylor has averaged 2,086 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's really good. Over 4,000 yards rushing in two years. The second team All-American running backs on this list from Sporting News, not too shabby either. DeAndre Swift from Georgia, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. Dobbins is very good. Tuatanga Valoa named second team All-American quarterback from Sporting News. DeAndre Swift and Dobbins, I just mentioned. C.C. Lamb and Justin Ross from Oklahoma and Clemson, respectively, the wide receivers in that group. The tight end from Missouri. Say what? Who were the first team wide receivers again? 
Um, sorry, got to scroll back up. It's not sorry. in a list form. Um, they were Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State and Jerry Judy from Alabama. Okay, I was, I was, Judy was what I wanted to know. Yeah. So Jerry Judy uh, won the Bolitnikoff Award a year ago. Fourteen touchdowns, nineteen point three yards per catch. He's great. Not good. Great. And then Tylen Wallace said Oklahoma State. 1,491 yards, 12 touchdowns, average 17 yards a catch. 442 yards combined, plus four touchdowns against Oklahoma and Texas. Whew. Big I remember, game. When, Ju- I remember when Judy was being recruited, and I talked to John Garcia, who covers uh, Alabama recruiting for 24-7, and he said, this kid is the next Amari Cooper, Julio Jones. And he was right. How about two preseason All-American defensive linemen at Auburn? Nick Coe, also named an All-American, second-team All-American. But the middle of that defensive line for Auburn is going to be really, really good. Yeah, Brown is – he could have probably been a first-round pick this year had he come out. I mean, it was a really deep defensive line class, as we all know. But Brown was good enough to to be in that group. And Coe is just just an animal. He's just a freak of nature. So for Derek Brown, last year, 48 tackles, 10.5 TFLs, 4.5 sacks. And then Nick Coe, obviously, really, really good in the middle of that defense. SEC guys on the second-team defense, Raquan Davis at Alabama, Nick Coe from Auburn, Anthony Jennings, linebacker from Alabama, Xavier McKinney, safety from Alabama. So you're saying Alabama's going to be pretty good on defense this year? Well, I'd say they're going to be pretty talented and pretty balanced. Way to go out on a limb there. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.